Viva Las Vegas. Hello and welcome to another episode of Low Key. Episode 29. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's rich, organic, and creamy with flavors like honey, hazelnut, vanilla, and chocolate. And if you have a sweet tooth, try their peanut butter cups, which come in chocolate and white chocolate and dark chocolate. So check out Justin's and get a tasty treat. Now, without further ado, Mothership Coffee Roasters. It's nice. It's easy. It's Vegas, baby. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Low Key. I am here with Joshua Walter of Mothership Coffee Roasters. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's a, it's early morning, early sunrise in Las Vegas. Um, I'm digging it. And you have given us two uh, coffees we're trying right now. Can you describe them and tell us a little bit about them? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've got a, an Ethiopia and a Papua New Guinea. Um, Ethiopia's Guji, the Papua New Guinea, I'm not 100% on all the details. We just got it in and we've been experimenting with it. You know, we tend to get coffees in and try, uh, dial them in over the course of a few weeks before we started letting people, you know, enjoy them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Guji's, uh, you know, typically with Ethiopia's naturals, you get, like, a lot of that blueberry note. This one's got more of a, like, a lemony, lemony blueberry, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the uh, PNG's. I'd like you to try it on espresso, actually. I think that's really where it's shining right now. But like we were talking about earlier, it's got an interesting balance of acidity and, you know, deeper sugars. Uh, so okay. it's not so tart. And, you know, it's got a lot more uh, complexity to it. So it's something worth trying. I mean, I don't like to get too much into details, but we don't get to actually try them. They're just listening, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I want you to agree with what I'm saying. Yeah. You can't, you know, taste it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just things that we're working on this week kind of experimenting with them throughout the degassing process. They just were roasted yesterday, so like what I was saying, a bit fresh to be trying, but it's nice for experimentation. Try it every day out of the roaster, get an idea how it's going to perform over the week, mm-hmm. and then you see sort of how it, how it's, how its life's going to be for the following week. Yeah. Maybe I'll try it out after after this interview. And, sure. And uh, I'll, yeah. I'll agree with you. You don't want to drink a bunch of espresso before you start talking. You can start yeah. talking faster yeah. and faster. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll just, I'll be like a machine just keep going really fast. Um, can you tell us a little bit, you also are an owner of Sunrise Coffee too as well. Yeah. Sunrise and Mothership are kind of connected. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell us the, the story and the journey of both Mothership and and Sunrise and um, how, how it was an idea to, to what it is now? Yeah, I mean, you know, Sunrise opened in 2008 um, as our first shop. Um, I think if you went into Sunrise, you'd sort of get a sort of a third-wave feel. However, what you'll notice on the menu is there's a lot of uh, options, a lot of flavored lattes, things like that. And when we opened up back in 2008, Las Vegas uh, doesn't have, or didn't at least at the time, have any kind of you know third-wave coffee culture. Yeah. When we opened it, we really wanted to do something very strict. That was sort of the idea, but we were really concerned about the survivability of a shop that only offers. An eight ounce latte, you know, is the biggest drink you can get. So, what you have over there is sort of a hybrid store uh, and also vegetarian food. So, there's sort of a cafe vibe, um, a lot of seating, a great place to hang out. It's not really what you think of as a uh, third wave espresso bar, though. When we did Mothership, which is uh, where we are today, we really wanted to have an opportunity to do strictly what we wanted to do without any, you know, restrictions on survivability of the store. Uh, Mothership uh, began in 2012, although the shop only opened a couple years ago now. Yeah. So we started roasting for Mothership actually in the back of Sunrise. We bought a roaster back in 2012, started, you know, we bought a little seven pound, you know, DJ roaster, and we started experimenting and getting control of our, you know, I think roasting is really like an evolution of brewing. Once you sort of you know, at least think that you understand the brewing process yeah. and you feel like you've mastered it, you really want to continue your education. 
Yeah. You know, and I think I think roasting is the natural step into that because that's when you start to learn really, you know, what's gonna what's gonna affect what's in your cup because you can brew a coffee many different ways and you can try to you know eke out every last bit of goodness from it, but until you can turn around and say, okay, we found a way to make it taste good. Yeah. We, you know, we adjusted the temperature, we've changed the pressure profiles, we've tried different volumes out, different volumes in, and you know, we really know this coffee front and back. Well, now what we can do is we can go, all right, well, now that we've sort of experimented this coffee, let's roast it differently, let's change the variables on the roast and see how that comes and impacts the cup. I think that's where the furthering education sort of comes from. You find out really how it's gonna, how you can, how you can change it more to your own preference or how you can modulate that flavor profile to get mm. you know, exactly what you want or what you're interested in or what you'd like to see in the coffee. Yeah. yeah so anyhow, we, we started roasting um, back in 2012, uh, you know, just as an experiment. And then, you know, restaurants started asking for coffee, different coffee shops started asking for it. And you know, yeah. we started realizing that, you know, mothership is sort of going to have to be its own thing. So as soon as we had an opportunity, we started building the brick and mortar shop for it, which was okay. a couple years now, a couple years ago. And it, what was great about it is, is that I felt really free to uh, offer the drinks that I wanted to offer, offer the simple menu without any of the um, no blenders, no you know you don't we don't have any. We have a couple syrups that we make here, but we're not using anything out of a bottle. You know we're you know we're we get to experiment and we get to do it the way we want to without fear of like oh well will it make enough money? You yeah. Know? I think the good thing about this project was that you know we don't really have to sell any retail coffee for this to continue because hmm. you know we have our bakery here we have our roasting here and the roasting supplies coffee to our other shop and to a few other places around town the bakery you know doing that was part of like controlling our our products our ingredients instead of buying baked goods from uh, you know who knows <laughs> you know who knows what's in it you know we really wanted to be able to say hey we know what every ingredient is in this we know that it's wholesome stuff, and you know we can awesome. we can say with pride that hey, we make everything. We even started doing our own bread for our sandwiches at the other shop because you know we have the facility for it. So yeah, it's been nice to get control of all our stuff. And then this retail part out here, I mean, you'll see that the the retail area is the smallest part of this facility, mm -hmm. and uh, you know part of that is that the coffee bar is part. You know, on, from where we're sitting here next to the roaster, when we walk behind the bar, what we've got is a, a laboratory. We've got our Sinesso Hydro, we've got, you know, our uh, all of our proper equipment, our good grinders, our variable temperature, you know, water towers. We have mm. all the brewing tools we need to just experiment. Yeah. But on the other side, if you're in the retail area, it's an espresso bar. And so for us, it's like a it's like a dual use space. What I'm doing over here, what we're doing right now, drinking coffee, this is like, this is stuff we roasted yesterday. We're trying to see how it's gonna play out. We need to get to know this coffee. And, but if you're on the other side of the counter, you can order that too, and you can kind of see what we're doing, participate in what we're doing. You know, we've got a lot of customers now that are becoming curious about coffee. Even yeah. though that in Las Vegas, the coffee culture, you know, quote unquote, is fairly what we say underdeveloped. It's very much entrenched in sort of second wave Starbucks culture still. But here we have sort of this opportunity to like experiment, share our enthusiasm, you know, share some of the products we make out of the bakery, and it's caught on. It's cool. It's uh, we're really happy about that. You know, yeah. I don't have to worry about like, oh well, what if someone comes in and they and they ask for a, a twenty ounce blended something, and I have to say no. We're just like, you know, we're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, we're not we're not snobby about it. We were very <laughs> yeah. careful. Just say, oh, you know, I'm sorry. We're primarily a roasting company, and you know, we have the coffee bar here. We have a simple menu. Mm -hmm. you know, just say, I'm sorry, we don't have any of that stuff. It's just. It's not what we primarily do, but we yeah. do want to make it available for people to try. And that seems to have caught on. So it's been kind of a cool experiment. And uh, yeah, anyway, so that's sort of that's sort of how the story has gone. It's awesome. Mothership sort of become its own thing. It's a bit weird, though, because, you know, you've got customers that will go to both shops, and they don't know that we're connected, and they'll be like, you know, they'll have a preference for one. They're like, yeah. oh, I like it over there better. I like it over here better. And it's so interesting to see how people, you know, identify with different stuff, you know? One thing I, I think is really great about Sunrise is that you can actually still go, even though they have blended drinks and stuff like that, you can still get a six ounce cappuccino. You yeah. can still get a good espresso. You're not gonna get to choose between two different espressos that day. It's not gonna really change. We're gonna have our sort of our house espresso, you know, profile over there. Um, but here, you know, you could come in and there might be actually two of the same coffee on the hoppers. Two different hoppers, two two of the same coffee, roasted marginally different. I mean like mm. thirty second difference in like roast profile or two degrees. And really what we're doing is we're tasting it ourselves and we're letting people try it and getting feedback and you know it's kind of fun to be like oh well, what do you got today for coffee oh i've got well 
this, these Kenyas are the same thing. This one's roasted a little differently. You want to try them both and see what you think? Yeah. And that's where the like fork in the road is. We go, okay, well, we've decided that we like this one a little bit better. It's a one degree difference or it's a shorter profile. And then we branch off from there. We save our data, we move forward, and then we do it again and we further refine until we have something that we really are proud of. So it's, it's cool to have the option, you know? And also, you know, having a big variety of different flowers here and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It, it, it excites me that, because I grew up in Vegas and this is my hometown, it excites me that there's becoming a, co there's a coffee culture that's being created here. And I was very excited when, when you guys, like, opened up and stuff. I didn't know, I didn't know coffee in 2008 when Sunrise opened up. <laughs> But but when I when I first came here and saw Mothership and heard about Sunrise, I was very excited that there is a community that's growing into specialty coffee. It excites me because it's it's just such a cool art and I love coffee, like specialty coffee and stuff. So That's cool, um, I appreciate that's kind of what you say. I, I you know it's hard you don't you don't really get much feedback, like, you know, it's hard to see what other people will kind of see, you yeah. know, when they look in because for us, I mean I you know, in terms of coffee, we're as nerdy as it gets, but that's still the very smallest percentage of our, our, our customer base. Because, yeah. I mean, like, really, even even of the people that come in here to Mothership, I mean, there may be only a small percentage of them that really are like, hey, what's on espresso today? And so what I think is cool about it is we, we look at these shops more like uh, an art project. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to create a space for people to come and use and hopefully get some value out of it, it's, whether it be a place to just get your coffee or a place to come in and meet with friends, a different environment to be in. We really believe in creating environments. Um, and that that create that makes it very fun because we, we don't have to do the same thing ever twice. Yeah. You know, we'll open a third shop eventually and it won't be anything like either of these shops. Because even though the coffee will always be our main priority, we understand that the value that people get from coffee shops isn't necessarily about the coffee. It really isn't. It's really about the experience that they're gonna get when they come in. Um, whether that be a, you know meeting with a friend, sitting yeah. on the patio, or whatever it is, and just having a great day, or people go on dates, people have proposed. <laughs> I've seen like all kinds of weird stuff, you know. And I think it's really awesome. That it's like, hey, here's another place to be, especially in Las Vegas. People that aren't familiar with Las Vegas don't know the true extent of uh, urban sprawl. You know, mm -hmm. people don't walk in this town. People drive in this town. Yeah. And. Uh, and so when people pick a destination, it's not based on location usually, it's based on like, well, you know, what do I want to do today? What kind of experience do I want to have today? And I feel like Las Vegas is a cool town for that because it means like, well, all right, we don't have to be like right downtown or we don't have to be right in the busiest area because people are so used to commuting around anyways and it gives us a huge opportunity to like make a cool space. Yeah. People enjoy it. And I like, I like talking about coffee and I like, um, coffee is my, my, seriously, it's a hard endeavor because there's so little information and there's so few people that share information and it really it's a lot of just trial and error. It's a slow skill. I mean, like, think about it. We, 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 try, we get a new coffee, we roast it, we have to wait a week before we can really make any decision on it. Yeah. You know, we've got to try it every day. Another week goes by and then we roast it again and then we try it and then we wait another week and we roast it again. You know, it's like, <laughs> it takes, you know, it's a, it's a slow, slow process of, of learning, but I, I feel that it's a great challenge because you can we get we have opportunity to be creative with our shop. We have an opportunity to be creative with our products. Um, we get to really put our own spin on how we feel each coffee's max potential, you know, okay. its best potential is. Like we talked about earlier, not trying to make a coffee that doesn't really inherently have a lot of acidity, mm -hmm. taste acidity. Like no, we don't really. We're trying to find the sweet spot. We really want to make bring out the best potential of each coffee that we find because that's our that's our goal, just to refine and to like discover what we're getting. You know, yeah. hey. Thousand pounds of coffee showed up. All right, well, <laughs> let's uh, let's make it taste good. It's gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's cool. I, I enjoy it very much. But what I enjoy most is really like meeting people. You know, coffee shops are such a cool place to meet interesting people. Yeah. You know, and especially if you get people that are really curious about you know uh, third wave coffee. It, usually, these people are. I don't want to say that they're more educated and stuff, but they generally have a little more experience. It says like, hey, I. I want to try something local. I want to try something craft. I want to see what these guys do. I understand the difference between this roaster and this roaster. I understand the difference between how these guys are brewing it and how they're brewing it. And then you, you get someone who's thinking like along those lines. Generally, 
I'm gonna just gonna say generally, they're kind of interesting people. Like they've yeah. got their own story, they got their own interests. Something brought them in, you know, in line with what you're doing, and I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Meet a lot. It's like a next coffee shops are great nexus points for good conversation and interesting people and sharing experiences. And sometimes people are weird too, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, weird is not a bad thing, you know. So we get like we got a huge, a huge, diff, uh, a wide varying, a very. Uh, far-reaching sort of demographic yeah. people of all different backgrounds you know so it's I always find it enjoyable you know that's awesome but you will see though like in, in towns like even Las Vegas the coffee culture how it's budding like you were saying how it's sort of you know beginning you get people that are going to do it for um, for enjoyment you know for fun it's their their life's work to create space for people and to you know and to evolve their understanding and continually refine their product, you know, their coffee or however it is. Yeah. But you have also people that are going to see that it's trendy and try to just, you know, maximize their, you know, uh, their their return on investment, you know. Yeah. And, and I see that too happening. Like, you start seeing, like, some folks that seem genuinely curious about what they're doing and you have other outfits that are just like, oh, it's, uh, third wave coffee is cool. Let's, uh, let's do that too because people will like it or, you yeah. know, we'll make money or whatever the deal is and, so you see a lot of uh, you see both things happening, you know. Hmm. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah. You know, we've been doing this since 2008, so I feel like it'll be it'll be cool to see how people come and go, and you know how the landscape changes, you know. Yeah. And I would really hope that at some point, you know, people that visit Las Vegas. I mean, right now, let's say we're gonna go. Portland, right? Like on a trip or whatever. Yeah. You, you, it's kind of like Coffee Mecca. There's a, co a great coffee shop on every corner, and they all have a good product, and they all seem to be really dialed in. It's it's unusual. It's very much a phenomenon, right? Yeah. Because it's known as a coffee-centric place. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, to some extent, as well. A lot of people, I think a lot of people assume Seattle is very coffee-centric. There's not very many really awesome coffee shops out there. There's a lot of, like, you know, the big company, the mm. big chain, or whatever. Yeah. And there's, but as far as independent groups, there's only a few really. I really, really dug through that town, and there's a handful of people that are doing it. But it's not like as big as people would imagine. But what I would really think is cool is like, well, hey, people are visiting Las Vegas. Like, if it could at some point be known as a coffee-centric town, that would that's be so awesome. awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> people always ask about mothership and the name, and I say that's really what it's about. We're just trying to propagate this so that it continues. And if we can be successful, we do then more people will try it and more people will get involved in it. And then eventually the people that live here will know about it. Like you said, when you were back in 2008, you didn't know anything about coffee or you didn't, weren't aware of it. It wasn't in your awareness yet, right? Yeah. More coffee shops that can come up, they can do a good job and really show people like that there is varying levels of like quality of difference in like the product. People will know that, hey, there's a difference between the big you know chain and artisan stuff. Same with yeah. beers, you know? Think about like craft breweries versus like the big companies that just pump out gross mm -hmm. stuff, but everybody knows about the ma the, the large volume um, businesses. But yeah. then, hey, now people are saying, hey, actually now I have a preference for this particular brewery over that brewery. Yeah. And I think that further refinement of people's uh, palates is, you know, it's not gonna hurt anybody, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I'd love, to see, I'd love to see it be a thing where people just, you know, people that grow up in this town, when they leave and go somewhere else, they know that what good coffee tastes like before they go. They don't have to be like, oh, I need to go to Portland yeah. to live there because I can't get good coffee or I can't get craft stuff. It's like, no, just, you can stay and you can bring what you love here and share that with people. You know, I think that works. Yeah. I hear that a lot, you know, I hear a lot of uh, people I meet, especially younger people, they're just eager to get out of Las Vegas, which is understandable. When I was young, I just wanted to get out of here too. That's all I wanted to do, was leave. But then I started traveling at some point, you know, you come adult, you, you start to go visit other towns and you're like, you know, the first time you sit, you might think about like, oh, I want to live in LA. Well, the first time you sit in traffic for four hours in LA, you're like, no, oh, I'm, miserable. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm never living here. I love the weather, but I'm just not into this, you know? Or, yeah. You know, and every time I go to a new city, I feel the same way. I start like, oh, I really like this new city that I'm visiting. It's really cool to visit. But would I want to live here? Like, man, Las Vegas has got a lot of great advantages, <laughs> you know? It's like, okay. Well, and so instead, and my, my point of this is I meet a lot of people that are like, I just need to get out of Vegas. I want to go. They have all this cool stuff there. It's like, dude, don't go over there and, like, leech off of what they're doing. Just yeah. find out what you love. Find out what you like to do. Bring it back here and do it here. And people will reward you for it because you're adding value. 
you know? And I feel like more people that get the idea. I think I could totally see Las Vegas being a, a craft town, you know? Yeah. And the, you'll see it in the breweries. The breweries are blowing up. There's like there's like 10 microbreweries or more. They're all doing pretty well. Yeah. 10 that we know about, you know? <laughs> that might be an exaggeration, but it's getting there. And coffee's going the same way, you know? And, yeah. So anyway, so I'm rambling about no, no, it's okay yeah, about, yeah. about coffee culture in Las Vegas. I think it's interesting because I visit like every city I can go to, and every time I go to a city, the first thing I do is I go check out all the local stuff. Coffee is first, then food and beer and wine or whatever I can get, whatever is yeah. whatever people are talking about. I always want to see it. I feel like you know I, I get a different perspective on it now. I like I like to bring ideas back, you know, and mm. deposit them here. It's like the mothership like thing, like yeah. dropping stuff off, dropping off ideas, you know. <laughs> When I, I, I grew up here, just like you did, I didn't know anything about coffee until almost like right before I opened a coffee shop. Yeah. You were talking about the story from Sunrise when we opened. I mean, I knew I wanted to do some kind of business. I wanted to do something for myself. That's all I really knew for sure. And I remember going to L.A. with my partner, my wife, um, and we would have to go to coffee shops and then just use Wi-Fi. Yeah. I remember seeing like, I remember sitting there on the Wi-Fi and looking at the people that were coming in. There'd be like a line forming. And so, you know, people would be sitting there with their dog and... A guy would come with his bicycle, and he'd be like, oh, hey, how you been? I haven't seen you in forever. And that person, and it sounds lame, right? Because anybody from a normal city experiences this all the time. That's the sense of community, like recognizing people in your community, seeing them, being able to interact with them in a non-committal sort of environment. Yeah. Um, just being able to sort of like touch the community by just in, involved. That's what coffee shops are. And I remember sitting there thinking, like my mind was blown. I'm like, what is really going on here? Like I, yeah. if anybody from Las Vegas will understand growing up here there's nothing really to do for people young people there's not really people for people to do in their neighborhoods it's really you always have to travel out and I thought well man if I feel like this funny sense in myself when I see people interacting that didn't see each other for a long time or people meeting you know yeah. there and then becoming friends and then developing friendships you know in Vegas like you, if you're not in school or in work when are you going to meet somebody you know yeah. how are you going to meet anybody it's so hard for people to meet other people and connect with other people hmm. I was like well man this is, feels valuable and then, so and then in retrospect, I remember looking back on it and going, well, you know, I think what we did was we created that. We kind of added some value to our neighborhood. We created a space where people could come get together where there wasn't like a bar, you know, it wasn't like they were, you know, were getting drunk and having to like try to meet people that way. It's just a, here, I'm here working. I'm here working on my schoolwork. I'm here working on my business work. Or I'm here doing, um, meeting friends, catching up. And like that made me feel really like positive about what, I, what, what, what we're doing. Yeah. And that's something that Las Vegas, I never experienced it really growing up here. Mm. And I know that in the past we've had cop shops that have come and gone, but I never got to experience them because what I was getting to before is I didn't even know about coffee really until I was like 22. Yeah. Like I didn't even really try Starbucks until I was like 22. That was like my, my thing. And then when I was 25, I opened the shop. I, by 22, I was like, sure, I wanted to do a coffee shop. And then it took me a couple of years to like figure it out and plan it out and find a place and convince someone to give me a lease yeah you know <laughs> you know to save money and things like that try to try to do it and yeah it's uh it's it's kind of interesting you know people that live in metropolitan cities that take that for granted urban sprawl is like what that really means is that things are spread out so that you don't really have to be in one area yeah for example like let's say we live in um la we're probably gonna stay in our neighborhood you know because after a certain time of the day, it's just impossible to get on the roads. Yeah. You know, so you really are going to use the local stores, the local coffee shop, the local businesses as part of your community. You know, what I think is interesting about Las Vegas, though, is that because people are so willing to drive or commute everywhere, it's not like you can be anywhere, and your community is like the whole town. Yeah. So, so really, like like-minded people have the ability to kind of connect with other like-minded people because they can choose the business they want to support. Because what's the difference between driving 10 minutes or 12 minutes? Or 15 minutes or 18 minutes you yeah. know like it's kind of not a big deal you know oh. um, anyways I'm going all over the place <laughs> no that's awesome I uh, I like I like the way you're perceiving or, or saying things and it's awesome to listen to you and talk about Vegas and the culture and stuff and the community outside of yeah. it so it's really cool yeah. I think that any town that has urban sprawl issues I think has benefited greatly from the internet's popularity, like social media, because it, I remember like when we opened in 2008, like Instagram wasn't a thing, um, Facebook was sort of new, I, ver I feel like, yeah. people were still on the other platform, like MySpace or whatever <laughs> yeah. the deal was, and I remember like after being open for like a year and a half, it was always, it was very slow, it was a very hard start for us to do it, it was very, very slow, um, it was hard to get the word out, because nobody really, A, nobody really understood coffee. 
and still probably don't for the most part, but people do understand a place that they can use, you yeah. know, for their, for, their, for their daily lives and their experiences, right? So what I saw with social media was is that as Facebook started picking up popularity and then Yelp and things like that, we started getting a lot busier because I think it created a platform for people to find us. You know, like what would you do before? Look up for a phone book? Yeah. Let me find a phone. Let me find a coffee shop that has yeah. that suits my tastes, yeah. my demographic, or whatever the deal is. No, it's like you know your friends will post a picture, and then you'll see that. What is that? Like, oh, let's go meet there and have coffee or mm. a bite tea or whatever. You know, I think that, that is really, really what is what happened because I think before any town with urban sprawl really suffered in culture. That's why Las Vegas, I think, is so behind in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I know that some people might hear this and think that's offensive, but no, seriously, go go spend some time and. Portland or Seattle or New York City or some parts of LA or you know any major city and go see you'll you know if you're from a place that's kind of rural or not really a lot of uh, social activity go somewhere else for a while and just see you'll you'll get it like yeah and what's cool about that is is that those cities organically grew because of proximity to other people and density of population mm. well, Las Vegas is spread out there's a lot of people here though but yeah. now that people have a tool to access the things that they want you know, whether that be like Google ads or analytics like pointing you in different directions, it doesn't yeah. matter. The point is people can find what they want now and it makes Las Vegas a cool town for that. Yeah. You know, so. That's really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool perspective to have. Um, what, what, uh, what coffee shop, if, if there is any, has inspired you? It's changed. It changes all the time. I mean, when yeah. in the beginning it was just any coffee shop, like it was literally anywhere with a couch and a coffee table. Yeah. You know, because um, that is where I felt the most value. But then I think where the the sort of the art comes in is when you start seeing things and being inspired by a, a environment. Yeah. You see, like I remember I was a place in Denver. I wish I could remember the name of it. I. Well, you know, Amethyst is one of them, right? Yeah. There's another shop uh, we were in Denver last, and I walked in there and I felt just blown away I felt overly um, I had a lot of feelings I felt a lot of feels <laughs> you know <laughs> I was just thinking like this is a I feel like I just entered in someone's world you know and someone yeah. just came out of someone's head maybe it was a designer I don't know maybe it was an architect I don't know maybe it was just some guy with a, a couple of tools and you know and that's our story we always we built our shops you know usually 90% of the work we do ourselves you know wow. we build our pictures we build everything we can and we design it ourselves and because first cool. it's our project we don't want to pay another artist to do it not that I don't want to pay for art but it's like this is my art project you know yeah. it's gonna be my this is my idea you know and and I, and I love going to shops and seeing the know, coffee shops are so strange like even if everyone had the same coffee which isn't true you'll notice that when you go to a lot of third wave shops and roasters that you start to see that the coffees tend to be similar but there's like clearly a preference on the roaster, and you sometimes, and I think you've been doing it long enough, and if you've been roasting coffee, you can start to see like other people's skill level because you remember tasting that. I remember tasting that when I used to roast that way until I learned to start doing it this way. Then my palate evolved, you know. So you yeah. see people's experience, but but really for the for the most most of the customers, you know, it's kind of similar. But what's different about these shops? Well, their environment is different. Their their the way they projected their idea out there for people to enjoy. So to your question, like what shops inspired me? I, every time I, I, I continually seek it. I'm always seeking like a better espresso, a new coffee, but more importantly, I'm always seeking like a new environment. I want to see what people are doing because it's art. Like if yeah. people don't think it's art, it, it is. It totally is. Like except for it's a moving piece of art. It's a piece of machinery art. You know, it's got it's got uh, moving parts. It's got people that are in play. It's got an environment that people are using and interacting with, and then leaving. And you never know exactly how people are going to use space yeah but they do and they and it's not really in your control anymore you can just it's like if you made it art let's say we painted something wonderful and put it somewhere and people came and saw it you can't really control how people perceive it they're going to perceive it their own way but yeah. if they like it then great you know and and if they don't it's still great it's still art so i'm always looking for new shops and i've been inspired by the the, the shops that are total hole in the walls i've been inspired by the really high-end you know, million-dollar build-outs. I've been, I've been inspired by everything. You know, some of my favorite shops. I think my, I think I, of all the shops I've been to, the one that really sticks in my head strongly at this moment. I don't even know if it's still there, but it's in Portland. It's called Courier. It's okay. a tiny little shop, and I walk into the shop. It's like 500 square feet, maybe. You know, not even maybe. Right? You walk in, it's like a bar. There's chairs back to back, um, and it, it's like 
and I don't want to call it a hole in the wall, but I think most people would say that it, it is, but it's not a bad thing. It's just very, like, basic. They yeah. got, you know, above their heads, there's, like, storage racks with, like, milk crates with stuff in it. They've got vinyl playing. I walked in, they were playing Wu-Tang Clan on, like, vinyl, you know, <laughs> and there was this guy at the bar drinking his coffee, and he's just, like, jamming out with it, and... And that really stuck with me, and the coffee was good, you know, and it kind of, sh and the roaster was like, oh, I don't remember if the roaster was right there or not. I don't think it was. But, you know, you go in there, and there's like five feet to walk around in. You get your coffee, and you and you take off, but really, you're walking into someone's world. You know, the guys are behind the bar. They picked that music. They put that shop together. They did it. It was their initiative, their effort, and people are enjoying it. People like it. It's like, for different people want different stuff for their, for their daily cup of coffee. I just like going and trying different things. Yeah. And that shop stuck with me because it was like, okay, it doesn't have to be like polished. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be anything. It just has to be whatever I've got in me right now. I can throw it out there and see how people come in and, and use it. And great. And I think that they're doing fine, you That's know? Awesome. <laughs> so it works out, you know? That's awesome. But that, that inspired me a lot. You think like uh, when you make something, you know, for me, I've always had a certain level of anxiety about uh, how people are going to perceive what I do. And then I see places like that, and it reminds me that it, it, I shouldn't be worried about what people think about it. I should just be worried about doing the most that I can, putting the most energy I can into it, and then results be damned, you know? Yeah. So that inspired me that way. But I've been to really beautiful shops, too. I can't say that I haven't been inspired by a lot of places. Yeah. But every time it's different. Every time I go to a new shop, it's different. Yeah. I think I need to get down to Australia and spend <laughs> yeah. a couple months going around <laughs> seeing all the shops there. I mean, I, yeah, That'd know. be cool. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. So I hope that answered your question. I yeah. yeah. Um, is there um, what, is there a favorite brew method that you prefer, and then or any region that you you love more or prefer than others? No, no. I'm I'm really open minded about coffee, and I'm really open minded about brewing methods. I, for my purposes, brewing methods, I want to have something that's um, simple, effective, and it's gonna show me all the flavor characteristics that I'm looking for. Okay. Um, so here we do V60s. I like the Kalita too, actually. I like the little Kalita brewer. I like how it's got the little flow restrictors. That's easier for training. You know, if you're familiar with, you know, pouring V60, you can't pour too much volume of water around yeah. the filter because it bypasses the grounds and the slurry and all that stuff. So I like the Kalita because it's a little more foolproof, but we don't use it too often. I think if I'm really wanting to know about a coffee, I'll probably put it in AeroPress because I can really control you know, all the variables. I can control the extraction time, I can control, you know, and the filter is good, so it's not like a French press where you have all that stuff floating around, and I like French yeah. presses too. Coffee brewing is really about preference, right? I mean, it's what you want to have in the morning. For me, it needs to be quick and clean, and, and it needs to be able, I need to be able to taste the coffee properly, you know, mm. so I, I like V60s because of that, but I like them all. I mean, I don't know, I've always considered, I like Chemex, I just, I don't like waiting for the coffee, you know? <laughs> like, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't want to wait the extra two minutes. Like, yeah. you know, so I, I think, you know, my, my, I still, I guess I have a thing for the V60s, mm. even though they're not really like, in, I don't know if they're really in style right now because they're not as precise as the other ones. Yeah. But I, I dig it, you know, it's, it's whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, I'd say espresso is my, my biggest challenge. I always, every time we do a coffee, we always brew it. Um, we do pour-overs or however manual method we're going to do, and we do it on espresso regardless of whether we think it's going to be good on espresso or not. Yeah. It's just for collecting data. And uh, I really like our machine because uh, we have the pro the, the uh, we have a flexible pressure profile. I can, you know, so if I have a coffee that's a little bit underdeveloped, I can really do a long pre-infusion and see what's there before I go try to roast it again. So that's nice. Um, but espresso is probably my true love, you know. Espresso is like the hardest things it's there's so much going on it requires so much attention to detail to get the first shot perfect and yeah and I love going to shops and ordering espresso because I just you know I just want to see like hey how serious is this person and if they're if they're like weighing the shot and they're being really meticulous I just start talking to them like what do you think is good like let me try what you like yeah they'll say what do you want to have I'll say I don't know you look like you know what you're doing <laughs> you mean what you think's the best you know yeah. whatever you think's best because coffee is so preferential you know and, and I love trying I love trying stuff I love coming back and you know, I love coming back to our shop and telling our baristas, like, hey, so I went and tried coffee all over Portland, and guess what? Our coffee's awesome! You know, like, I didn't really have anything I thought was, like, quote-unquote better, but, I mean, it's not like I think that, you know, our coffee's better than anybody else's, but it's preference. At yeah. a certain level, it's really just your style and what you what you think's okay, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. 
what what would you say separates you from other coffee coffee shops or coffee roasters? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I don't really know. I mean, I have some assumptions. I don't think about it too often because, you know, what I do is really got nothing to do with other people. You know, yeah. what I'm doing is my own pursuit of what I find curious, you know, and, and I I thought, like, I wanted to share that, that PNG with you because yesterday or day before when I had it, I was like, what the hell? I tried this, like, the last one, that we, the last batch we did was just, it made me not want to roast anymore, but I just wanted to throw it away. <laughs> and the next one was so good. Um, but no, I don't worry too much about what other coffee shops doing. I don't really know how we compare. I mean, I haven't really met other coffee shop people that, well, in this town at least, that are really, uh, really upbeat about trying to make the coffee taste really good. I've been, I've been to plenty of places that I've visited places and, you know, um, other roasters in different cities and, and, and they were, sometimes they just roast till brown. Yeah. You know, there's no controls. There's no data logging. There's no, um, they got like... They just look at it and they're like, oh, it's been about 15 minutes, it's brown, done. But they're roasting like pallets and pallets and pallets of coffee a week, you know? It's so, it's a, it tells you a lot about the different preferences out there. Some people don't care, some people just want the brand or some people just want something brown, you yeah. know? What we do, it's, it's very strict. Like, you know, on the coffee bar there, you won't get an espresso outside of two seconds of the, of the variation. You got two second window on the extraction time that's gonna get thrown out or it's gonna get, re, you know, it's gonna get remade or it's gonna be okay. You yeah. know, so there's a, it's pretty it's pretty strict here and I don't know anybody who's doing that really but then at sunrise it's a lot more flexible because we have a, a profile over there that's got to be good by itself it's got to be good with milk and sugar it's got to be you know it's got to be flexible and perform under all circumstances here you know we got coffees that just are unforgiving you know like we put a Kenyan espresso out there and man that you got like less than one second you're just like man it's gonna be like really great or just awful yeah. You know, it's just going to be one or the other, so we have to be very strict about it. I think that we do, that there are a few places in the country that are strict like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of shops aren't, but some are, you know, and, but then even fewer of the customers understand that. So it's like, I can understand why people don't prioritize it. Yeah. But for us, it's about gathering data, trying new things, perfecting our craft, you know, having something that's definitely passable before we give it to people. You that's know. awesome. And our coffee will change. Like today, you might have the Kenyan, and I might say this is really good. Try this Kenya, and then next week we like, it's better now. It's getting better, yeah. you know. And so there's that. Yeah, that's awesome. Hope that answered your question. No, oh, yeah. What 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 do you feel is your greatest contribution to the coffee world? Oh man. Well, I don't know. I mean, if we're if we're successful and we're popular, and more people come and try our coffee, that means that when you go open a shop down the street, you're likely to get some customers. Yeah. Maybe that's the contribution. Everyone, everyone. See, I, I think there's a lot of like competitive feelings between business owners in this town. Yeah. Because I, I see them come into my shop before they open their shops, and I don't know them. They don't introduce themselves, and then like they'll open a shop, and then I'll see them there. I'll go visit. I'm like, oh, I think I saw you. You were being kind of weird, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but then but I know that that's not true because when I go to Portland, every coffee shop on every corner, they all know each other. They're all friends. They're all in the community. They share baristas a lot of times, yeah. you know, and it doesn't hurt anybody. So I know that it can't be bad. The more, the better. The more, the more popular this becomes, the more customers we have to go and try other. Now it's a thing going to different coffee shops. Yeah, in in this town, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's a shock to anybody who um, isn't familiar with Las Vegas. But it's a that's that's a big revelation. So I think that's the contribution. If there is one, I don't really. I think I do it for my own my own self, really. But yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that, and hey, we contribute in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, we got, I have trained, you know, 100 baristas, wow. you know, maybe, maybe 100 all together. I don't know, oh, that's an exaggeration, but over the last, since 2008, I mean, it's been a lot yeah. of people. And, uh, you know, those guys manage other shops now, and they, you know, they go to other places over time, and people move on, and that's a good thing, too. And, you know, so I don't know, maybe, maybe by having a high bar, it adds, adds value because everyone is going to try a little harder to make something good. Cool, man. What? What would you say um, you'd want to see change in the industry? Oh, the well, man. I, there's one thing I feel really strongly about. That's snobbery in the coffee world. You okay. know, because like think of it this way: you got a, a you got this like esoteric skill. Yeah. I let's say you, like you're, you're a barista here and you didn't know any about coffee, and then I taught you like just how to pull a shot properly, and because that's such a that's so much more information than anybody you'll probably meet. Mm -hmm. You know, in this town, you know, how often are you going to meet other baristas unless you go to other shops and meet them, right? So, 
the chance of you knowing another barista in this town is really low. So all of a sudden, you're an expert. You think you're an expert, you know? <laughs> and then you think that you know, like, what's really good. And that means it's very easy for a person to go and say, oh, you're not doing it right, or your coffee sucks, or stuff like that, or no, no. And then it's talk down to customers, you know, because they think they understand something, and they don't. Because yeah. anybody who really, any barista that really knows anything has a good knowledge, they understand that coffee's a preference. And, the, and your job is not to sit here and tell people and shame them for not, for, for liking what they like, whether that be, you know, Folgers or whatever. Don't shame them. Just be happy that they're even, you know. So my philosophy on it is, like, I always want to be the bridge between the, the lake community and the specialty community, you know, because yeah. I want people to come in and enjoy it. I don't want them to have a bad experience because even the people that come in here every day religiously doesn't necessarily mean that they have a big knowledge of coffee. Why yeah. should we try to make them feel bad? Because I want to feel important because I got a tiny little snippet of information that put me ahead of everybody else, yeah. and now I'm an expert. That's how you come across as a snob and pretentious. And no one does it intentionally. It's just it's, it's just the nature of it. So I, that really bugs me. So I'm always very careful with my breeze. I'm like, look, you're here to help a person find out what they want. You, you're here to, you know, the, you know our menu well enough to be able to introduce a person. And yeah. if, they, if they just told you that they'd never really tried coffee before, don't give them an espresso. Don't be like, here, have this Ethiopia and espresso. They're gonna freak out. They're gonna be like, what is wrong with this coffee? Because they, yeah, they have no, um, they have no pathway into that. You just give them the hardest thing to, to learn to enjoy. You know, give them a freaking latte. Put some sugar in it for them. You know, <laughs> just get them get them started so they can start identifying with it. And I hate the pretension because it's usually young guys. Or sometimes my experience a couple a couple young ladies as well. <laughs> yeah. Really just snarky because they you know, I mean like I, I experience it even in Portland and so I'm very careful about that. I, I hate that. I'm like, man, you don't even you don't understand at all who your yeah. customers are. You know, this people don't come in here because of magic. They come in here because you're nice to them and you help them learn something new and you help them learn something without making them feel like an idiot. Yeah. You know, don't get mad if someone doesn't understand the difference between a cappuccino and a latte. Don't get mad if, you know, <laughs> don't get mad at them for ordering a flat white. Just be like, don't be, I, I hear this sometimes. Someone say, can I, can I get a, a flat white? Oh, you mean a six ounce cappuccino or something like that or a latte yeah. or, and there's so much, and there's so much like argument between like Cortado and Gibraltar and, you know, and flat white. And it's like, just tell me how many ounces of coffee you want. I can help you find something that you like. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot. So my biggest thing is that pretension. And man, nobody does it on purpose and nobody thinks that they're a snob. So like people are gonna be listening to this that are that are really rude to their customers and don't realize and they're like, yeah, you're right. But they don't really, they're probably doing it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Cause it, it just, you wear it on your sleeve. People, you know, people do that. But I, I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see people a little bit kinder, you know, because Las Vegas particularly, so and so few people. This is probably one of the smallest cities of mm -hmm. two million plus people that have such a slow uh, coffee culture. Okay. You know, it's probably probably one of the one of the worst ones. You know, um, in that way. So you got to be friendly to people. You know, yeah. I would have loved. I like, get sunrise. Like I contemplated. You know, after we were open for a few years, like taking stuff off the menu and being like, no more blended drinks and no more flavor, no more caramel lattes. <laughs> you know. Funny. But I was like, that's stupid because yeah. people. A lot of people like that, and I have loyal people that have supported me over the years. Why should I take them, take away things from them, so they can feel bad about what they drink? Well, now I'll just open another shop, and I'll do the thing that I want to do. That now that my education has changed and my my understanding has changed, you know, yeah. and we'll keep doing that. You know, the next shop will be maybe it'll be even more nerdy. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What? Excuse me. What is um? What are some of your coffees right now? That, that that you've roasted or that that you have have on sale. Um, describe them kind of a little bit, and then also, um, do you have a different roasting method than others, or is it kind of similar to? Well, that's roasts? a good question. I don't know if you have a different roasting method than the other because nobody talks about roasting. Nobody wants to share information. Nobody yeah. wants, and I get I get that because it takes a long time to teach yourself because you have to do a lot of trial and error, and I think. The roasters that are really good don't share information. And I think that's fine, whatever, you know, it's, it's you sort of have to go try it. You gotta make the investment. You gotta be willing to burn through expensive coffee to try to figure it out. And like, I, I get that. Yeah. Um, but our method, I mean, all I can really tell you for sure is like, it's different for every coffee. We are very meticulous about our notes and our data logging. So we know exactly how to re to create a consistent coffee. Okay. Um, we do a lot of evaluation to make sure that it stays within range while the coffee ages and while it's green. Um, 
but we have a lot of different coffees, more coffees than most roasters. We probably have like nine coffees right now that are available because, you know, we have them, we have them, we roast them. And I'd like to make it simpler. I'd like to have a smaller selection, you know, over time. But, um, but right now we have something for everybody. I think like the mistake people make with roasting is they go, all right, I just have, I only want coffees that have a lot of acidity. Yeah. You know, like, okay, well, that's not what everybody wants. I, I've given, a, I remember when I, at, at Sunrise, the first year open, I had like an Ethiopia, hurrah, some kind of hurrah, and it was very blueberry-ish, you know, and, mm. and I was like, oh, can I get a drip coffee? This guy says, like, yeah, sure, I got this thing. I give it to him, and I'm like staring at him, and he like almost throws, like, he almost spits it out, you know? It's like, something is wrong with this coffee. It tastes like it's gone, like, I don't know, it's like sour or something, you know? And, and I'm like, no, no. It's supposed to taste like that. And he's like, I don't like this. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, you know, that's a preference, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, like I said before, you know, we have a bunch of different coffees from all over, you know, almost every, you know, an origin from every couple of continents, you know. Um, but there's coffees that are definitely more in the dark chocolate, nuttier, uh, you know, uh, variety that are going to be more, what I consider to be, approachable coffees for people that aren't, you know, used to it, you know, so a lot of our South American coffees, we don't try to make them real fruity, okay. you know, although when a coffee has the potential to it, um, we have like a Guatemala San Pedro right now, that's actually got a lot of acidity, and we decided to embellish it because that's what it has to offer, but, you know, the other coffees that we want to make sure when you take this home and you put it in your drip brewer that it's going to give you something that you can drink, that yeah. you're into, and you can, and I always say, hey, just try different stuff. We've got a Sumatra. Most people don't even carry. Most third wave roasters don't even use Sumatra because it's too um, rough around the edges, if you will. Because you know Sumatra, it comes from like a, a couple different farms. will get together, but they're all doing it differently, and they throw it together, and you have this really, um, uh, I would call it a dynamic mix of different, yeah. you know, producers. You know, and but I think that that kind of makes it fun too. So, you know, I, I won't recommend a coffee for a restaurant. I won't bring them in the African coffee and say you should serve this to your customers that want breakfast coffee. No, here, take this Guatemala Cafe Feminino. It's going to be medium bodied. It's going to have a little bit of acidity, but it's going to really taste delicious, especially with the food, like the combination of food. So, yeah. I think it's, I, I try to honor everybody, you know. So, we got, you know, half the coffees up there are pretty African coffees, and the other half are, you know, more approachable, but different, you know, South Americans or, you know, Mexico and there's a few other places, you know. We get, we get a big group of stuff, and I try to make something for everybody. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could tell you every coffee, but I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if that's really, really pointful. Our philosophy on it, though, is saying, hey, we got a coffee. What should it taste like based on what's got available? What's what's inherently, what characteristics are inherently here? How yeah. do we bring them out? And is there is there people that want it? And there are. People come in and get that Sumatra, man. And some people only come in and get the Ethiopia Guji or like the, you know, or Kenya or, you know, something unusual and free. And that's cool. I'm glad that we have a balance of both. That's I don't awesome. like putting. I don't like. I don't like it when people come in and are, are going to say like, "Well, I just want something to brew at home." I don't know. What do you got? Like, oh, let me throw this coffee on you that you're not going to like or appreciate because you got to try this Guatemala first. You really got to get your feet wet with, with um, just to first just learn the difference between, you know, something that came out of a factory and something that came out of you know, a you know, 12 kilo roaster or something like that. And you start to see like there's a difference, and then from there you're building your palate. Yeah. And as you build your palate, you can start to understand the differences. Because it's not about like a new person into coffee being able to properly characterize these flavor notes on the, on the wheel, on the flavor wheel. It's about trying different coffees and learning that, okay, these coffees are different. How are they different? Oh, this one seems a little bigger bodied, or this one has more, I don't know, it's, maybe it's more bitter or whatever. You know, you get, let people just try stuff, get their feet wet. And yeah. then once they've started developing a preference, then you just then you throw something at them try okay now that you have a preference let's try something that you haven't tried yet then yeah. you give them something unusual you know something fruity and, and you know bombastic like a fruit bomb or something like that so here now you try this and see what you think and they'll go i never knew that this coffee it kind of has a citrusy thing it feels kind of like lemony <laughs> what the hell is up with that you know <laughs> i think that's always fun i like i like that that's my approach with it you know every, people do it differently and that's so that I think that little snobbery comes through. It's, oh, you don't like it? It's because you don't know anything about coffee. Yeah. You know, oh, it's because you're uneducated. That's why you don't like my espresso. Yeah. <laughs> so hope that answered your question too. Yeah. Um, well, uh, 
how could how could people find you and what what social mediums can they? I mean, yeah, we're you... we're in, on Instagram and we're on Facebook too. And I really noticed that Facebook seems to have taken like a backseat in terms of like uh, interaction. You know? Yeah. So I like I, we use we use Instagram and we put everything on Facebook too. And you know, you can find us pretty easy that way. We've got a website. People can order coffee now. We're sort of finally getting our online stuff updated and you know useful things like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's just as easy as to find any other roaster or any other coffee shop. Yeah. Yelp. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's fun. Well, I want to thank you for being on the Low-Key Podcast. And oh, my pleasure. Telling, I'm telling your story and talking about coffee. That's cool. I'm really flattered that you wanted to talk to me about it. I guess yeah. that's rad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was just excited that... Another Las Vegas native, so that's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, I was just excited that you guys are kind of creating that culture here, and it's. I wanted to kind of hear you guys' story, so... That's awesome. Well, there's more, you know, there's other shops too, and new stuff's happening, and, you know, keep your ear to the ground and see how it, see how it plays out in the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what happens, so. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. It's yeah. really, really cool. Thank you. <laughs> see you guys later. Hey, guys, and thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. Now, if you're ever in the Vegas area, go check out Mothership Coffee Roasters and get some pastries and some good coffee. Want to thank Joshua Walter for being on the Low Key Podcast. Also want to thank you guys for listening. If you're an avid listener, listener of the Low Key Podcast and don't subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you are a subscriber, go rate us on iTunes. Give us some feedback. Also, go follow us on Instagram and check out what we're doing on Facebook. Like our Facebook. And go check out what what Mothership Coffee Roasters is doing on all their social mediums. Guys, thanks again for listening to the Low-Key Podcast. Make it nice. Make it easy. Make it a low-key day. Have a good one, guys.